Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez here with Erin Keller, and today we have our urban wildlife coordinators from around the state, Jess Wolf, who's in western Nevada, and Lauren McLeod, who is down in southern Nevada. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We thought this was good timing to have both of you on, just because we have been getting so many urban wildlife related calls recently, whether it's ducks, deer, um, bobcats, whatever it may be. So I guess we could get into what is some of the urban wildlife issues you've been seeing lately. Um, Jess, do you want to start with Western Nevada? Yeah, totally. Uh, So we've been getting a lot of calls of different sightings of animals like bobcats, coyotes, which those are pretty standard, um, but also a lot of deer calls recently. Um, because it is winter time and people I think are just being a little bit more hyper aware of the animals that are in the area and, and kind of worrying about their, their safety and whether or not they're going to be able to find food this winter. And you actually did a whole article with the local news station about um, the deer down in Carson and we really did want to focus this on why you shouldn't be feeding wildlife. So could you explain um, some of the problems that causes with deer when people are feeding wildlife? Yeah, so a lot of different wildlife, they have different mechanisms that help them to deal with winter time. Um, so they really don't need our, our help when it comes to surviving the winter, which is, I think, a lot of where people are coming from. They're really concerned about winter time, right? There's snow covering up all the food, but wild animals, they really don't need our help. Um, with deer in particular, they kind of shift their diet um, during the winter time. Um, and they also migrate. So uh, Carson City is actually a traditional historical winter range for for our mule deer. Um, And so they'll come down from the higher elevations where maybe that snow is coming down, covering up all the shrubs, and they'll go after those plants um, that have green leaves year round, like bitter brush and sagebrush. And that's what they're gonna be nomming on throughout the the winter months. Um, But people really shouldn't be feeding them. Number one, it's illegal. You can't feed any big game. Uh, But it can really mess with um, their stomachs, kind of give them a big stomach ache because it's not necessarily the food that they would naturally be eating. A lot of the times we're giving them hay and apples, which are really rich foods compared to what they should be naturally eating. And also when you're um, trying to feed animals, it's bringing a lot of animals into a really, really close quarters. So what can happen with that is it can increase predation because a predator can see that and be like, oh, there's a buffet that's being laid out for me, just like the deer getting that buffet. So it can increase um, predators coming into the area and it can also increase um, diseases being spread from animal to animal because they're in those those really close quarters, kind of like a big city. Um, if you have people really close, you can spread diseases a lot easier than if you're kind of spread out. Okay, and then there's also, I mean, traffic too. Like that's a whole nother issue as is it brings them into roadways. Absolutely, a lot of times people feed animals close to roads. Um, so that's just encouraging the animals to cross a road, which cars and deer do not mix. Cars and any kind of animal or life 
<laughs> don't really mix. So um, trying to making sure that you're not feeding them is really in their best interest. And like you said, one of the things is it um, brings more predators into the area. So when you're feeding deer, our whole thing is we want to keep wildlife wild. So not only are you then causing deer to come into the area and depend off you, but then like you said, those predators, whether it's mountain lions, bobcats, or whatever it may be, follow. So it's just ruining that cycle. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> totally. And, and then the same kind of principle holds for anything, even feeding birds. Um, not only are you going to attract birds, you're going to attract rodents and hawks. So it, not feeding wildlife really does help all, all sorts of wildlife, not necessarily just deer or birds or anything like that. And I know people love seeing those deer in Carson. I think they're like near and dear, no pun intended, <laughs> to um, a lot of the people down there. But and they're, people are wanting to help. Like they're doing what they think is something that they should be doing um, to do some good for our wildlife. So what advice would you give to them overall? Um, the kindest thing that you can do for our wildlife is really let them be wild. Um, they're wild animals for they're wild animals, right? Um, they really don't need our help, especially when it comes to food. Um, another thing to always make sure that you're practicing um, good uh, leave no trace ethics when it comes to viewing the wildlife, making sure you're not getting close. A lot of the deer in Carson, they are very habituated to humans. Basically what that means is they're just kind of used to humans being around they'll let you get really close to them, but we really don't want people to do that. Um, so making sure that you're trying to keep your distance and, and make sure that they stay wild and not get into those extra food sources that we have lying around. Got it, good information. And Lauren, you were saying you've been seeing a lot of feeding happening at urban ponds down in Southern Nevada, which I'm sure this happens all over the state, but that was something that you were going to address. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, this is something that I think a lot of people hold near and dear as a tradition is, you know, feeding ducks and geese with their families. And it's, you know, it's something that they can enjoy and, you know, get closer to wildlife with. But I think, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that they're doing more harm and good in doing these things. So just like Jessica Wolf was mentioning, there's there are a lot of negative impacts that can uh, occur from feeding wildlife in general. And when it comes to waterfowl, there's a few unique negativities that come with that as well. Um, so one thing that I see a lot of at some of our urban ponds, like at Lorenzi Park and Sunset Park, you'll notice some of the uh, waterfowls, so the ducks or geese that have wings that stick straight out from their bodies. And that is caused from a nutritional deficiency. So essentially if people are feeding ducks or geese, if they're feeding them bread or even commercial poultry feeds, those have a lot of proteins in them that those birds really shouldn't be getting that early in their life. So when they're developing, their wings aren't able to develop fully. And so their wings end up sticking straight out of their bodies. And it actually can prevent or limit flight altogether. Uh, and they'll never regain that ability to fly. So that makes them more vulnerable to predators and it just makes it in general really difficult to survive. Uh, so that's something, you know, we definitely want to see less of, but you know, when it comes to them too, I mean, overcrowding, just those high concentrations of waterfowl in one area or another, just like Jess had mentioned, it creates an environment where they're more vulnerable to predators or bringing those predators in 
But when it comes to urban ponds too, it's also affecting the water quality. So if you get an excess amount of feces in one area or another, you're gonna see that affect the water that's surrounding that area. And you know, if people are fishing and recreating in those waterways, that's not good for human health, but it's also not good for those birds that might be potentially spreading disease to one another as a result as well. And so we'll see algae blooms and things like that. Um, and two, if you, if you think about the hand motion too, throwing food, you know, you're throwing food out toward the birds, it is identical to the hand motion that's created from casting a line. And so when we see folks throwing food to, to birds, those birds might go up to an angler who's fishing in that waterway and casting their line, thinking that that person is going to feed them as well. And so then we see an increase in injuries in the birds. They're getting you know, hooks stuck in their wings and things like that that can, again, it can affect their health in even more negative ways. And so it's, we really just wanna make sure that we let these birds, let all wildlife experience the wild in their natural ways. Uh, you know, human intervention is often more harmful than good for them. And you know, it, it's also to protect our human health, our water health, you know, there's just so many ripple effects to feeding these wildlife and these birds that we have at our urban ponds too. Exactly. And again, it's well-intentioned people wanting to help, but those are all of the, so many, like you said, it's a ripple effect, so many different impacts. Um, what are some of the other, well, Jess, you had talked about this a little bit. Um, during the winter, why is, why do people see so much more wildlife or why does it seem like we're getting more calls? Um, so I think it kind of has a few things a couple different reasons. Um, some animals kind of shift their behavior to be more active during the day, um, whereas during the summer months they might be more um, crepuscular or nocturnal. Um, another reason is I think that we're more active during the times when the animals are most active. Um, dawn and dusk happen uh, when we're usually either going to work or coming home from work. So I think that a lot of people see animals a lot more now because we're on the roadways, especially with things like deer, they're big mammals. You can see them on the side of the road. Um, so I think that's also kind of partly uh, has some play in it as well. Okay, and is it the same in Southern Nevada, Lauren, um, as far as wildlife goes? I know it's a lot warmer there throughout the year, but um, does, is that kind of the same thing you guys see down there? Yeah, um, I would say definitely, you know, having to do with our work schedules, those dawn and dusk hours. Uh, here too, we're dealing with a pretty long drought right now. So we haven't had any significant rainfall. I think it's been about seven months now. And so we are seeing a lot more wildlife coming into the city, you know, definitely a lot more coyote sightings because, you know, on the desert where it's super dry right now, you know, they come to our houses or apartments and they have sprinkler systems to drink from. They have lush plants that aren't native to this area that they can eat. So they have a lot of food and water sources that they're coming into town for because it's just, it's easier. You know, they can still survive drought periods. These animals are adapted to live in the desert down here. You know, they can survive and forage in those dry periods, but it's, you know, if they find an easy source of food and water, they're gonna take advantage. So, you know, this time of year, we're definitely seeing more activity. So it's important to, you know, not encourage that behavior. We want to make sure that these wild animals are staying in their wild environments and 
not necessarily, you know, making themselves at homes in, in our neighborhoods. Exactly. Keeping wildlife wild. So, well, that is a good point too. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are talking about why you should not feed wildlife, just the different impacts this could have. And we're here with Jess Wolf and Lauren McLeod, who are our urban wildlife coordinators. So they're the ones that get all of these wildlife related calls when it's happening in neighborhoods and urban areas. So right before the break, we were talking about just the like what the impacts are when people feed wildlife and then during the break we were talking a little bit about and it was interesting how it actually impacts natural seasonal patterns like migrating for example so Lauren do you want to explain that you were seeing that in waterfowl yeah yeah absolutely so you know in addition to those really visible negative impacts that we see happening before our eyes um, we also noticed that when you allow animals to become really comfortable and habituated to handouts from humans, then it alters their behavior. And so, you know, when we would normally see the Canada geese migrating for the winter to warmer temperatures south, we're seeing that they have more year-round behavior because if they're at an urban pond and they're being fed all the time, they're not working hard for their food, then they're going to stay there. They get comfortable. So, you know, without that intervention, without those humans getting in the way of their natural behavior, when they notice that food is starting to become a tiny bit more scarce, they can move where the food is there and where there are temperatures that are more tolerable. Uh, you know, especially in, in the Las Vegas area in the southern region, it gets so hot in the summertime. We are making those birds very uncomfortable by, you know, staying year-round or staying in those summer months at some of our urban ponds. But, you know, it's it's part of their nature to follow where the food is. And if they have food, they're going to, you know, remain uncomfortable in that warm climate because they have an easy food source. Exactly. And just, um, we were talking about how that impacts deer, like the ones we were talking about in Carson City, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you're increasing the number of kind of deer in an urban area, especially um, during times like the rut, which is right now, November through December is the rut for our mule deer um, mating season, uh, you're going to increase the number of males coming into the area because what are they looking for? They're looking for, for those mates. So you might see an increase in antler deer, which are the, the males coming in looking for, for mates. Got it. And another thing, just as we're talking about natural seasonal patterns, um, we've been getting a lot of bear sightings all the way from Verdi down to Washoe Valley, where normally, like late November, we wouldn't be getting that many sightings because the bears would have done for the winter. But since we have, Lauren, you had talked about what a dry year we're seeing. And since there's no snow, and there's also food all over the place, um, it's like neighborhoods create a buffet for them. Um, they're not denning. So that's right there's another example of just a natural um, pattern that's 
being broken by people leaving food accessible and also feeding wildlife. So definitely do not feed wildlife and also be sure to be securing your attractants. Um, anything that might bring them to your property. Jesse, you might want to add to that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, because we do have all of this power in our hands where we can shift these animals behavior, it's really important to kind of look around your property and take a look and see what, what are you attracting? How are you attracting it? Is there a way to kind of remove that attractant from your space? Um, I know we were talking a lot about birds and um, bird feeders and things like that. And when you feed birds, it's awesome. You get to see all of these different types of birds coming into your backyard. Um, but it is important to recognize that when you are feeding birds, you are also feeding rodents that are gonna come and eat the fallen bird seed. You're gonna feed the bobcats and the coyotes and the hawks, anything that might eat those rodents or those birds. Um, so you're feeding really the whole, the whole food chain whenever you have those attractants out in, in your spaces. Um, so really trying to be cognizant of that and clean up those areas is really important for our wildlife and for your neighbors as well, because uh, we do get a lot of calls of neighbor conflicts um, because one neighbor wants to feed the birds, but the other neighbor is having a problem with rodents or whatever the case may be. So making sure to clean up, clean up your yard is really important. Exactly. That's a whole nother problem that I didn't even think of. Just everyone is happier, wildlife and your neighbors. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Proper precautions. Um, Lauren, something interesting that you brought up during the break, we weren't really going to go this route, but it's, it is an issue, is pet dumping, you were saying. Could you get into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, this again has to do with those waterfowl, those urban ponds that um, are seeing, you know, a lot of waterfowl activity and feeding activities. We run into situations where some of our urban ponds, you know, especially those bigger ones, um, whether it's at Veterans Memorial Park in Boulder City, Sunset Park, Lorenzi Park, a lot of those, we'll notice there are so many domestic ducks and geese uh, that are being dropped off by people. So these are people that no longer want their pets for whatever reason or no longer want to raise birds for whatever reason, and they decide that they can just drop them off in the wild somewhere. And this just creates a, a variety of different issues. I mean, first, you're dropping off an animal that doesn't have developed foraging skills. It's used to being you know, fed and taken care of. It's not used to a wild environment. It's not going to you know, have those same skills to defend itself against other birds. You know, birds can be relatively territorial with one another. It doesn't have those wild skills, um, but it also creates an extra competition for some of those wildlife species that we have out there. So, you know, you're, by dropping off pets, whether it is those birds or, you know, if you have rabbits that you think you can drop off in the wild, it's just, it's, it's not good for those wild birds or wild animals. It's not good for that pet that you're dropping off. Um, you know, and especially, you know, with pets, they are, if you think about in a home environment, they're being hand fed, they're being taken care of, they have really strong immune systems because they're not used to having to forage. Um, and with a really strong immune system, they may be harboring diseases uh, that may not affect them, but it's going to affect wildlife that has, that might have a lower immune system. And so you're you know, you, you're creating the potential to spread, you know, diseases that haven't yet been introduced into a wild environment that could have detrimental effects. Exactly. And just do we see that in northern Nevada too? 
Absolutely. Um, we definitely see pet dumping. I notice a, a lot um, in our urban ponds with things like red-eared sliders. Those are the types of turtles that you can usually buy at places like Petco. Um, they're really popular. They are native to the United States, but they aren't native here um, in Nevada. And a lot of times people get turtles and they don't realize they live so long or they don't realize how much care they actually take. And they drop them off at a pond and think that that's a great life for them. But um, depending on the size, like it could easily be eaten by another animal, but even more importantly, um, those turtles are now competing for space um, where our western pond turtle, which is a native species of turtle, um, inhabits. So it's really bad for our wildlife to dump any sort of pets. Um, also, things like goldfish, that's another big one that we see people dumping a lot in urban areas. Um, and goldfish are a type of carp, and they can really mess up the water quality in an area uh, by their feeding habits. They'll feed on the bottom and move around all of the the stuff on the bottom, um, their feces is not good for the, the water system. Um, and they can get really big, so they can eat our native fish eggs, they can eat the smaller fish, all that good stuff. So it's really important to not dump those sort of animals. Um, even in Lake Tahoe, they've actually found giant goldfish, which were assumed that um, someone had dumped them there. Um, and they were pretty, pretty massive. <laughs> Definitely not your goldfish that you would see in your little bowl. So um, people just need to, when you get a pet, just know that it is a life commitment or find another home for it instead of putting it out in our wild spaces. Exactly. It's like you picture this small goldfish, someone might just be thinking this isn't going to do anything by putting it here, but it's this huge cycle that that ends up impacting so yeah a few, a few times i've been called out to somebody that thought they saw a koi in an urban pond they're like a foot long and you go out there and it's a goldfish that somebody had dumped and they grow so fast and they're so competitive that i mean they're like 12 to 14 inches long big fat they look like koi yeah, definitely. They're, um, I was actually looking up about the difference between them, and they are different species, but they're both carp, I believe. And yeah, they're, right. they just wreak havoc if they're allowed to. Yeah, so we would, I, I would joke with like kids, like if they were at an urban pond, like if anybody can catch the goldfish, like I'll buy them free <laughs> or trying to get them to get the goldfish. I like that. Yeah. I didn't realize um, that they were a type of carp, actually. And if you picture carp, they're massive, and that's another invasive species in our waters. So that makes sense that if a goldfish is a carp, it would get pretty big. But that's pretty interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, and just like a carp, they're such a prolific spawner that if you, you're introducing something that's so unnatural to the system that they just they can outcompete some of the native species. Um, and compete for their food, they're competing for the space, they're territorial, they're, there's all of these negatives that come up with, with introducing something like that. Exactly. We're down to the last minute or so. Is there anything else you two would want to say? Any other tips that you'd want to give people before we go, just when it comes to urban wildlife? Um, well, we definitely can't keep our wildlife wild uh, without your help. So anything that you can do to kind of help us along the way is, is really 
important. And if you ever need more information, I know I'm always super happy to um, talk people through ways to kind of proof up your house when it comes to wildlife. And I'm sure Lauren is as well. Um, so definitely reach out if you ever have questions because really we need your help um, to make sure that our wildlife stays wild. Yeah, and I echo all of Jess's comments too. You know, it's, it's just really important to remember that we may want to help these wild animals, but the best way we can help is by giving them that space because, you know, we don't have the same adaptations to survive that these animals do, but, you know, leave the, the caretaking to those animals and, you know, let them remain wild. Yeah, and I would also just like to say that we've seen some great successes in neighborhoods or areas that have taken this serious and taken real steps to remove attractants. Um, over the years, um, our urban wildlife program has developed and people have really taken hold of it and we've seen some serious changes. So. Exactly, yeah, a lot of good has come out of our urban wildlife program. So not everyone, we're not trying to bash everyone for feeding wildlife, we're just trying to give good information for people to think about and when people do learn this, they start to change their patterns too, which is good for everyone. So, well, thank you too. That was a lot of good information. I'm, I feel like I learned a lot today and I feel like we have you guys on all the time and I'm still learning from you. <laughs> so thank you both for being here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Of course. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs> <laughs>